0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we hand out some mid-season awards for OU football, and then we preview some of the biggest games in week eight of college football, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, October 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, visit Riverwind.com. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. Come on. It's fun. Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment.
1: Ted, how we doing? Fantastic. I cannot complain. Got a bye week going on. No problems here.
0: No problems. It is, it's nice to just relax. I am looking forward to the weekend, not having to work. I'm very, very excited. I plan on doing a whole bunch of nothing, and I'm, I'm very excited about it.
1: There's been a lot of anxiety over the last month. It's it's nice to be able to push back from that a little bit, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I'm just not having to worry about OU football for a weekend. I think it's going to do it's going to do my body a lot of good. Now, one programming note, and this is different than really anything we've ever done on Sunday nights episode Monday whenever you listen to that one normally, Jackson Arnold five-star quarterback commit for Oklahoma will join us for an interview and full disclosure, we've already recorded it. So we know it's going to happen and we we've recorded it today, but we wanted to save it for, for that episode. So you guys have that to look forward to Uh, Jackson Arnold. You'll get to hear from the face of OU's 2023 recruiting class. Okay. So we were thinking about what to do for this episode and Midseason awards, it's the best way to kind of recap what has happened up to this point in the season with Oklahoma football.
1: Do you want to start with offense, defense? Let's start with offense. Let's start Offense,
0: okay. Offensive MVP. This is, this is an interesting conversation because clearly the Texas game showed us Dylan Gabriel is rather valuable for this football team and for this offense. So it's it's really hard to argue that he's not the most important player on the offense after what we saw against Texas. Now, when you look at the stats, completing 65% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, one interception. Yes, he's had some inaccurate throws. He's had some head scratchers, but hasn't made a ton of mistakes with the football But is he? Is that just the easy answer? Do we just go Dylan Gabriel as offensive MVP, or is it a more is it a more complicated discussion?
1: It is not more complicated, really. Well, you know, you know the guys on the offense that I love, and I love those guys. But let's be honest: if Dylan Gabriel is not out there, we nobody's doing anything We that is that is established fact okay so um I would say 49-0 beat down by Texas backed up by 700 yards of offense against the top 25 team the next week I think sometimes Gabe the easy answer is the right answer
0: just just take the layup <laughs> just, just
1: take, take the, the layup, layup. so
0: Maybe this is the better way to put it. So he's the most valuable, right? Mm-hmm. He's the most crucial, the most important, whatever word you want to use. So maybe this is a better discussion. We'll, we'll give Dylan Gabriel offensive MVP, right? Mm-hmm. Who's been the most consistent player offensively? I think that's a different discussion. And it's, it's hard not to give that to Braden Willis.
1: 100%.
0: I, I think... I think you've got a, I mean, you got to talk about Marvin Mims, right? What, 32 catches, 542 yards, three touchdowns. He's, he's also – there's been a lot of times he's been open. The ball just hasn't found him. Uh, Eric Gray, I think, is a guy that's been really consistent. He's getting better, right? You look at the stat line, 695 rushing yards, averaging 7.2 a carry
1: which is incredible,
0: which is awesome. Five touchdowns. He's also, he's got 14 catches for 105 yards. And it feels like, I mean, he's finding his groove, but Braden Willis is the only answer for most consistent, right?
1: There's no question about it. And here's the way I would make the argument. Um, And, and some of this is like for Marvin Mims, his position, it's just kind of how it is, but, you know, he's reliant on on Dylan Gabriel, right? What do you have? Uh, One catch for minus two against Texas. Um, You know, the the game against TCU was not a great game for him. Uh, Eric Gray has been fantastic. He's averaging 7.2 yards per carry. But if you go and look at those statistics, his his two worst games were – TCU and Texas, whenever Dylan Gabriel's not in there, whenever you don't have a vertical passing attack, the running game is going to suffer some. Um, but Braden Willis, the blocking, the effort, the focus, what he brings off of the field, I have got—I don't think I've complained about Braden Willis about anything that he's done. And, I, and I'm not trying to say that he's been a perfect player this season. That's not the case. There's blocks that, you know, maybe he missed or he, maybe he got even got beat or, you know, there's all kinds of those things and that that's just football, but there's, there's one guy in my opinion on the entire football team that is the exact same player, no matter who the opponent is, no matter what the score is, no matter if your quarterback's playing or not. And that is Braden Willis.
0: I completely agree. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many more good things we can say about him. And, and you look at it, like the stats, like 20 catches. I mean, before the season, we talked about him possibly eclipsing his career numbers in this one season. Like he's kind of on his way. I mean, look, 312 yards, five touchdowns. And getting stronger.
1: And and I think gaining we confidence. Yeah, the football gods pay it off, right? When you block your ass off whenever you play like your hair's on fire every single time you're on the field it's going to come back to you it may not be as soon as you want it to but it's going to come back and it has and like the two of the catches he had uh Saturday against Kansas are just incredible plays the one on the goal line he stole an interception from that guy uh the other one over the middle i don't think that that ball typically does not go there and it came to him in tight coverage, on a line, and somehow he pulled that ball in. He's he's feeling it right now. And that's – you know, whenever you – confidence doesn't just come out of thin air. It comes out of being prepared, practicing your ass off all week, and then in the game knowing that you're going to be able to do it because you understand where and what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe the most complimentary thing I can say about him – And we've talked a little bit about this before, but I do think he's setting kind of the foundation of what the standard is moving forward
1: for OU football. That's right. Like
0: when you turn on the tape, when the coaches turn on the tape, they're going to point at number nine. They're say, this is how you play when you play here. This is it. This is what it looks like. And that's about the biggest compliment you can get as a football player. And kind of along those same lines, it wasn't a coincidence that the game plan against Texas was, hey, let's just put the ball in Braden's hands. Yep. I mean that that shows how much Jeff Lebby and that coaching staff trust him. I mean and that's that's just. I mean they put him at quarterback. Ted, there you go. That's <laughs> it. But so we've got so it is decided. Dylan Gabriel. Most valuable, most important, Braden Willis has been most consistent performer. Yep. Yep. I can live with that. Okay, this is this is where things get interesting. And I ever since I put this rundown together, I've been I've been smiling just waiting to talk to you about this. <laughs> the the defensive MVP up to this point in the season. Now let me let me lay some things out. Maybe this will help you, Ted. Okay. Stutzman and Ugwebu. Tied for the team, lead in tackles at 62, right? That's good information to know. Stutzman leads the team in tackles for loss. He's got eight. Downs and Grimes have six. Uh, Grimes leads the team with four sacks. Those all came very early in the season, though. Billy Bowman was really, really good before he got injured against TCU. Deshaun White, he's the fourth-leading tackler on the team. He's been pretty consistent at that cheetah position. I'm trying to help you out, man, because this is kind of all you. Who's been the defensive MVP up to this point in the season? You ha- do. I'm not going to say you have to pick someone. I'm going to let you do what you want here.
1: <laughs> this is – and, and I think it's telling, frankly, you know, but – I think it's Billy Bowman as crazy as that is to say, and i'm and like I don't want to I'm not like this is this is we're at the halfway point. I think there's some good positive things that I've seen here uh you know in the Kansas game and then going into the bye week that I feel like I'm not trying to say we're gonna be a good defensive team the second half. I'm not saying we're gonna be a top twenty five unit not saying we're going to be necessarily even in the top half of the Big 12 okay but i've seen some some positive things here recently um but the the first half was bad and i can look at almost every single guy on this list and think of individual like game changing massive impactful mistakes that have helped lead to losses so it's hard for me to award an MVP under those circumstances right so considering that I'd rather not get into those and I'd rather just say Bowman because until he went down up until that point he was the most consistent player that we had
0: wasn't perfect
1: but he was the most consistent.
0: Uh, I agree, and you know it. the The defense wasn't stellar against Kansas State, but it was like the wheels fell off for whatever reason in that TCU game, mm-hmm. and really they haven't been able to put those wheels back on. No since Bowman went out and is it all because he went out and they had to move some things around in the back end? Uh, That's no, it's not all because they lost Billy Bowman, but the way that he was playing in the back end of the defense and the way that he was playing that safety position, he, he was, he was the impact player in the back end of that defense and not having him has been, has been an issue, but the defense as a whole, it just.
1: Safety is an often overlooked position, but incredibly important. Look to last year. Last year we play, we were playing solid defense and then Turner Yale goes down and things fell apart on us, right? And you can say kind of the same thing about Bowman, you know, you go back to the Kansas state game and that game is really like five plays that that fell apart you played a really long stretch of football in the middle of that game defensively that was excellent and then uh you know just a handful of plays end up costing us so the hope is you get him back and 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 start playing good defense but even if even if you don't let's just assume that you don't have him back for a while i think they're starting to get some experience and some guys playing better on the back end. But it's just, it's disappointing that there's been, there hasn't been someone step up consistently and play. I'm not even asking for like pick sixes and sack fumbles. And I'm just talking about strong, consistent winning football. It's been, everyone's just been kind of taking their turns on, on having the mistakes that cost you.
0: So if I had to make you pick someone else other than Billy Bowman, Deshaun who would you White. pick? Deshaun White?
1: Yeah. And I don't feel, and I, and I love Deshaun White, and I think he's done some really good things. I thought he had a really good game against Kansas, had the interception, which was fantastic. Um, you know, had, had uh, several plays there where he was an effective blitzer. I think he's been solid, Almost the entire year. But you know, there you take the Kansas State game and he had a mental mistake that you point to at the end, and it's like, if this doesn't happen, we have a chance to win that football game. So um I hate to I hate to bring those things up and I don't want to harp on the bad, but I just I hope that we have several guys that have an MVP second half, and whenever we're talking about the end of year conversation, that it's like These are the guys. These are the main guys. And let's talk about all the reasons why they deserve it. And I I still feel like there's a chance that that could happen.
0: Let's pick the mood up a little bit, shall we? (laughs)
1: Let's,
0: uh, let's go. Do you agree? I
1: mean, do you, what what do you think though, real quick?
0: I, I thought you were going to say there is no MVP. So I, that's where I was at mentally going into this. So. I figured I thought it was about either, it a
1: long time and never, I could not settle on anything. I just couldn't, I, I think
0: Bowman's the answer, which is crazy because he's missed the last Two
1: and you know, and essentially
0: a half games. three games. Yeah. So I, that's probably the best Distance representation. Makes the heart grow
1: fonder, I believe is what they say, right?
0: <laughs> Maybe that's it. But I I think that, you saying Billy Bowman's the defensive MVP up to this point when he hasn't played in the last three football games is kind of a perfect representation of how it's gone defensively. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I mean, that's shit. That's fair. Right. All right. Let's get in a better Favorite offensive play up to this point in the season? They're actually, and I went through like every single game to find the best ones and there's some really good nominees okay i've got like six nominees for this gavin freeman's touchdown on his first touch against utep right with the spin yep that was sweet we've got the marcus major oh my god he embarrassed that guy so badly run against kent state i mean that was absolutely filthy you had the Dylan Gabriel sixty-one yard touchdown run on the QB draw to tie the game at seven against Nebraska. The double pass against Nebraska, Braden Willis to Marcus Major, to just kind of really put the Dale in the coffin for the Cornhuskers. In that, that was to put OU up twenty-eight to seven in that game. The Drake Stoops touchdown versus Kent State. Right, the shoe comes off, slow mo dive.
1: That was awesome. just an
0: incredible shot there. And, and this is a play i had kind of forgotten about Marvin Mims's 50 yard touchdown to tie the game up at 14 against Kansas State. And the reason we've kind of mentally blocked it out of our head because what happened right after that, Ted?
1: Was that the long kick return? Yes, it was. Yeah.
0: But that was a great play. He catched that it was the, the one reason, in the
1: northwest corner, right? Yeah, it's going, no, southwest. Southwest, no, okay.
0: south southeast, right? Or actually, southeast I don't remember. Board. What
1: was the one? What in the way north- was he
0: going in that? I d- it's the one where remember he started punching the pad, and on the radio broadcast, I was like, "Please don't do that. Like your your hands are very valuable. Please, yeah. please stop."
1: I don't know. I was I uh, for whatever reason I was thinking that was the one in the like on our sideline going away from the like the massive jumbotron like back there in that corner, but for some reason,
0: I thought it was the exact opposite of what you're thinking,
1: but you're probably right. You are probably right.
0: It's, it's probably neither. Honestly,
1: (laughs) I'm really trying to remember what way the kickoff went, uh, which I think the kickoff did. It came out of the South end zone and came to our sideline. Didn't it? I think that's pretty sure. Yeah.
0: So I am now that we just made everyone dumber with that conversation. (laughs) I, so that was a big play in that football game. Um We don't really remember it that way, but the punching the wall after that was a great celebration by Mims as well. And then I was thinking about which one of Eric Gray's touchdowns to put on there, but they're kind of all the same. He breaks yeah. through. He turns the guy in a circle. They look like an idiot. He scores a touchdown, you know? So
1: it was maybe I, the back-to-back touchdowns against Kansas, right? That was, yeah, that was pretty
0: good. Just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll just do it again. That was, uh, that was pretty good. So
1: unless you got another nominee, something I didn't think of. I do. Maybe it's bias creeping in, but Braden Willis's. uh, Pirouette on the sideline against Kansas. That was awesome. That was an awesome play. And I just love whenever he gets paid off on touchdowns. So that's probably part of it. But I think to me, the biggest one, it may not be, and it, it was, it was spectacular, but Dylan Gabriel's run at Nebraska, because like, if he doesn't get that, was that third down? Yeah. It was third down. That place was electric at Nebraska. Um, they went down and scored like it, it felt like, felt like a bad situation if we didn't convert something on that drive and and make something happen. And that run was, uh, was, was electric and who knows what happens in that game if he doesn't pull it off.
0: Yeah. And the way that the rest of the season has gone, it kind of, kind of makes you forget how much fun that game was, especially for the people that were there. Yep. Like it was, it was a really cool atmosphere and Nebraska started off so well, like the start of that game couldn't have been worse for <laughs> Oklahoma. And that was the play that kind of settled everything down. And then, oh, you just whooped their ass the rest of the way. And it was a lot of fun. And that trip home was a lot of fun, but man, that seems like a long time ago.
1: It was, it was a long time ago. Mm. Brutal. so A that defeated, what we're' going living with? on top of the world at that point, uh, yeah, that's what I would go with, yeah,
0: i I think that now I do I think the best visual of the entire season is the Drake Stoops dive t d yeah. with one shoe on. I think like just if you're just looking at the video or of the the picture, like that's the best best one of the year, but I don't know. The Braden Willis double pass to Marcus Major, because that felt like, okay, this game is over. Yeah. And I would say that moment was like the high point of the season for me so far, where you were like, Oh, okay, we're beating their ass. We're good. Let's go. Be fun. Yeah. Like this like- is gonna be a fun season. I haven't I haven't felt like that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> So right. I I think I would you you can have the DG run in that game. I'll take the double pass because that double pass it was like okay this game's over. I I feel like that was the point in the year where oh, OU fans we were we were riding our highest at that point.
1: Yep, no I I agree with that. I think that's um I think it's always fun to to take those special plays and reminisce uh, of of what you were feeling like whenever it happened. And yeah, I. I'll take both of those, and hey, if my guy Braden Willis is involved, you know I'm down for that, too.
0: Yeah, and the Freeman touchdown was sweet. I yeah, mean, that was, was really was incredible. cool play. Let's bring the mood down a little bit, shall we?
1: hmm
0: Last category, midseason awards. Favorite defensive play of the year up to this point? I really had a tough time finding anything other than the CJ Colden interception versus Kansas. I know. And when we put this out on Twitter, it was pretty much unanimous that that was
1: the only answer from people that do you have, do you have anything, nothing else? I've got nothing else. And I mean, there's, there's some really nice plays in there and guys have done some, some good things, but like to me, that's it. It's an incredible play. I don't know how he was able to pull it off. I don't know how he was even able to, to tip the pass. Um, but whenever it happened, I'll I'll tell you the Nebraska game, you felt good. Like whenever that happened in the Kansas game, I felt like it, it wasn't just that play, but it felt like, okay, we can resurrect the season here, you know? So that's, that's the play I would go with.
0: The the only other thing I could think of was Reggie Grimes' sacks versus UTEP, which feels like forever ago. But remember his his grandma with the cancer treatment in attendance, like that, the storyline there was fantastic. Like watching him celebrate with the type of emotion that he did. That was a really, really cool moment. I thought, but other than that, I really couldn't think of anything, man.
1: I yeah. there hadn't been a lot. And and that's just that's the nature of it. That's where we're at. And you know, it's just the nature of defense doesn't lend itself to a bunch of, of plays that just remind you of of like how great it's been. A lot of times some of the best plays are a guy beating a tackle, forcing the quarterback out of the pocket, throw it away on third down, and you know, we win the football game, you know, so um there's only been a handful, like we've had opportunities and and couldn't pull them off. Deshaun White had an opportunity for a pick six against TCU, couldn't pull that off. I mean, uh Key Lawrence had an opportunity for maybe two big interceptions against Kansas. We didn't pull any of those off. So it's been tough and it's been frustrating, but the CJ Colden interception was I mean, it it's it's super impressive.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the only other thing that you know really brought a smile to my face defensively so far this year is like Isaiah Coe's had a couple where he just absolutely dominates an interior lineman, yeah. removes him and then has a TFL. He's had a couple of them and I'm like, Yeah. But I mean that's really not I mean, i we I was hoping to talk about pick sixes yeah. because we mapped the podcast out like despite what some people may think we're actually pretty structured with this thing <laughs> like we knew we were going to do this at the mid-season point and during the bye week and i was really hoping to have some pick sixes to talk about like some huge hits to talk about like no i mean it
1: just didn't
0: work out that way so far
1: nope it's been frustrating but they're coming the back half they're coming we're gonna stay positive. Love that attitude.
0: All right, <laughs> time for some birthday shoutouts to bring the mood back up, baby. Happy first birthday to Henry. Lost, plost. Henry, plost. Henry, plost. Plost, plost,
1: plost. plost. Sorry, Henry. You're one. <laughs> you won't remember this. Happy second birthday to Logan Green. Happy 2nd birthday to Zoe Wynn. Happy 4th birthday to Fox Charlotte Thompson. Happy 7th birthday to Helen Courtney. Happy 10th birthday to Sweet Jillian. I I believe
0: they wanted Sweet Jillian to the tune of Sweet Caroline. So could
1: you... uh... Happy 10th birthday to... Sweet Jillian. (laughs) Nailed it. Happy 12th birthday to Harrison Watkins. Happy 26th birthday to Austin Brooking. Happy 33rd birthday to Brock Ring. Happy 35th birthday to Brian Brown. Happy 36th birthday to Ryan Romkey. I think so. Happy 55th birthday to John Flegler. Happy 61st
0: birthday to David Mann. Happy 68th birthday to
1: Sherry Singer. Happy birthday to Dean Powers. And happy birthday, Uncle Wendell McClary. Nice.
0: All right, let's preview some of the big games in week eight of college football. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Loves has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves
1: Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit Loves.com. And Opalus Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to OpelousClothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S-Clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's OpolisClothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off.
0: And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. As a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. Week eight, couple big games, pick three. First oh, one. Love them. Number twenty Texas travels to number eleven Oklahoma State. This game will be two thirty on ABC, and Texas is currently a six point favorite, yep, oh, six and a half point favorite in Stillwater.
1: Whoa! I have I've thought about this, and aside from someone knowing. More about Spencer Sanders than I do, or what I've seen. I think this this line is absurd, and I feel like by the time the game kicks off, that that has to change massively. But I could be wrong. I, I from everything I've
0: been told, like he's he's good to go. So I, I know Oklahoma State; they're coming off that loss to TCU. Uh, Texas coming off surviving. Right against Iowa State, I think Sanders is plenty healthy. I think he's going to play. I, I think the real question is, can Oklahoma State get any impact from that running game? Right against that Texas defensive line, Oklahoma State's running game—it just—it hasn't been good enough. I mean, it hasn't. Now maybe they'll find some more success throwing the football, anyways, because of. Because of what Texas's defense does well, but you still got to be able to run it a little bit, Ted. I mean, or else yeah. you're you're really putting yourself in a bad spot as an offense
1: no, I agree with that and and I guess maybe one of the things is you know if if Sanders plays, but is it isn't as healthy as they need him to be, how effective is he going to be as a runner because he creates a lot of chaos there on defenses, both in the passing game and in the running game. On on you know some of those things where he's factored in, um, and if and if he's not if he's not able to be a factor in the running game, that will make it really difficult on Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I you know it definitely has been disappointing. I thought the running game was going to be really good this year, but you know I still think I I think there's definitely ways to run the ball against Texas and going right at the teeth of their defense. That interior is probably not the best way, but I don't think their edge guys are all that good. And I don't think they tackle all that well necessarily on the perimeter. So I think there's some, some, uh, some yards to be had against Texas, but Oklahoma state's going to have to be really dialed in to be able to do it. And, you know, I, I, I do think that the health for Spencer Sanders could factor into the running game for sure.
0: Yeah, and Oklahoma State's defense, they got to show up, right? And, and I know they're not as good as the group last year. I get it. But they got to play good football for them to win this game. And, I mean, Texas is going to move the ball, right? You look at how that offense is playing right now with yours and, and all the weapons, right? Bijan, Worthy, Sanders, Whittington. Like, they got guys. But Oklahoma State's defense, they've got to force Texas to kick some field goals in this game because that group's going to move the ball, right? Between the 20s, they're going to move it. But can they, and I hate to use the term bend but not break, but that's kind of what Oklahoma State needs to do in this game. They need to buckle down in the red zone. They need to force Texas to kick some field goals if they want to win this football game, but that has not exactly been the strength of Oklahoma State's defense so far this season, but it needs to be on Saturday if they want to get this win.
1: Well, you know, here to me, I think this is the the biggest uh, the biggest factor or you know thing to look at in this game, and I do agree with you on that. Like, get off the field, just don't let them in the end zone. Get off the field. Texas is going to make plays. We know that, right? With with the skill group that they've got they're going to make some plays just don't let them be plays that turn your lights out but here's the thing oklahoma state i this is the toughest game that texas will have had by a long shot other than the alabama game but even with that game here's the thing because it was the iowa state game was that an 11 a.m kick it was right. so you're on the road against iowa state who no 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 that game was in austin oh it was in austin okay why do i i keep thinking that that game was in iowa state for some reason but which proves my point even more uh, an iowa state team that's winless in conference you played west virginia at home even the alabama game you're at home with the crowd like that atmosphere was fantastic you play oklahoma at the cotton bowl but we don't have our quarterback like, they're going into a damn hornet's nest with Oklahoma State being ranked number eleven in the country. Like, this is the first massive like test for Quinn Ewers. Everything else for him has been fairly easy as far as the atmosphere surrounding the game. Like, this is the biggest test they will have faced, and really, it's not even close. Like, you know what it's like right there on those sidelines at at Oklahoma State. That's that place doesn't hold a hundred thousand people, but it gets loud. It's going to be a big-time environment because, you know, Oklahoma State fans, that football team, they lost to the TCU, but we all know how good that TCU team is on the road, went to overtime. Like, this, this is a big test for Texas away from their place. And, I, I frankly, I know they're a six-point dog, six-and-a-half-point dog. I think Oklahoma State wins the football game.
0: I, I'm not sure if Oklahoma State's going to win, but I know this. If you're giving me six and a half points, I'm taking them like are you kidding me. And I, I do think, you know, Oklahoma state's defense, like that defensive line, especially those edge guys, like that's the strength of that team. Those guys need this. They need to step up. They need to make some big, they need to have some game changing plays in this game. You know, whether it's Colin Oliver, Brock Martin, whoever those guys, I mean, they, they got to make some game changing plays in this one and we'll see, but I, dude, I'm excited for that game. I can't wait to watch that one.
1: No, it's going to be fantastic.
0: All right. At the same time as that game, you can flip it over to Fox where you'll see number nine UCLA Mm. taking on number 10, Oregon. Oregon is currently a six point favorite at home there in Eugene. And I'll admit it. Bo Nix has been really good lately. For Oregon, yep, he's been really good. Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been even better for UCLA. But both guys, I mean, they've been really, really good. So I feel like someone's going to really make a mistake, right? I'm not sure which quarterback it's going to be. But there's going to be a critical quarterback mistake in this game. I feel like both guys are due. But, Ted, both of these teams, I mean, it's about running in the rock. I mean, both top 20 in rushing offense, I think Oregon's like 10. I like Charbonnet for UCLA a little more than I like Bucky Irvin for uh, Irving for Oregon, but both guys are really good. And these run games are fun to watch. And the best thing about them, physical, mm-hmm. physical style from both of these teams, it's going to be a fun game.
1: Nope. Uh, I totally agree. Um, I think quarterback play is is going to be absolutely critical. DTR has been fantastic. What he brings in the running game is excellent as well. Um, You know, UCLA's offense gets a lot of attention and rightfully so, but defensively, they're pretty good too. Like they got some guys across that line of scrimmage and in that front seven, I've been impressed with them. Uh, But yeah, like Oregon, the atmosphere is going to be incredible. Uh, they're a tough football team. I think UCLA wins it though. I do. Um, you and I are high on UCLA. I know. Maybe maybe I'm. Ever
0: since we laid side by side, not <laughs> not directly next to each other, but in our full size beds, what was that? Fort Worth in Fort Worth and watched this and yep. watched UCLA together. We've we've been high on the Bruins.
1: Yep, they're good. They got some dudes now. That team. They look legit. It's not smoke and mirrors. It's not like they're just, you know, running some Chip Kelly offense that nobody knows how to defend. It's like in-your-face football, Uh, physical running game, physical defensive front seven. They got some big dudes uh, on a bunch of different positions on that team. Give me UCLA, and you know, maybe it's not fair, but and I know he's been good, but I still, I just, I still don't trust. Oh, next for whatever reason that's fair
0: I mean we've got a a large body of work that says hey don't trust this guy when you're playing good teams but I, I think everyone's expecting a lot of points in this game and they should be uh, I think this is going to be a shootout and it, it may come down to we're, we're focused on those running games right it may come down to who can make a few big plays in the passing game sure that that's jake bobo for ucla or troy franklin for oregon or whoever who knows but that that could be the difference
1: well in this you know one. what i say if you think a game is going to be incredibly close and you can't you can't pick it i typically the deciding factor is special teams you look at tennessee alabama the try to pick up that punt missed a field goal late alabama loses the game I. Right? if games are that close, like the deciding factor, a lot of times happens in special teams. And I know nothing about either one of these teams, special teams units.
0: That's fair. That's more than fair, but I do think it's going to be a close football game. If I had to choose, I'd I'd take those points, right? I think it's going to be field goal type football game. So I'd probably, you know, probably take UCLA and the six, but. Hopefully it just delivers, right? Because this feels like a game that's going to be really, really good, and the Pac-12 needs it to be good because you know it's it feels like the marquee game of the year for the Pac-12 conference so far, and uh, I'm hoping it delivers. All right, last game, the
1: one they had last week, that was that was a pretty good one too. I know, man.
0: I it it will be really hard to live up to what we got from UCLA and Utah, but this game, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of how the season's kind of gone for Utah. This one feels bigger to me. Does it, am I wrong there?
1: Well, they're both top 10. I know USC was, what was, was Utah 20 or something like that? Yeah. uh, In that game. So just like ranking wise, it is for sure. And it feels, I, I believe the winner of this game has a really good chance to, to make college football playoff.
0: I, Are people just going to forget what happened in Week One to Oregon? I guess. I mean, if they run the table and they're a one-loss Pac-12 champ, they've got a great chance. Yeah, especially with what the Big Twelve feels like it's about to do to itself.
1: Yeah, but you may be right. Like, well, maybe it's just if UCLA wins. I, I I don't know, but can you overcome that one loss? Oh, here's the thing: it was like they have not looked the same way since then. That was to the reigning national champ. Basically a home game for them. Your head coach's first game out. Like, I think there's, if they really want to, they could look past it, but I don't know. You bring up a good point.
0: I just think that when you look at the landscape of college football right now, a one loss Michigan with their only loss being to Ohio State is in over one loss Oregon. And I think whether it's, you know, Georgia or Tennessee, right? Coming out of the SEC East. If one of those teams only has one losses or one loss and they don't play in the SEC championship game, I'm thinking either one of those scenarios, that team goes instead of Oregon because a lot of people are like, hey, we see we've already seen what it looks like when Oregon plays a an elite team.
1: All very true. Here's the one thing that I'll push back on. I wish It was about putting the four best teams in to see who wins it. But it's obvious, even with some of the stuff that we've seen recently go on. They are clamoring. They need the West Coast offense or a West Coast audience, rather, to be engaged in what's happening in college football. And if you just have two Big Ten teams, like you already capture that audience. If it's Ohio State or if it's Michigan, you already capture the SEC. No matter who's in the thing, like that's the one reason that I think that they could overlook something like that. But we'll just have to wait and see.
0: I I don't know if you heard, but three SEC teams are getting in anyways. I don't even know why we're talking about a Pac twelve team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but. Uh though uh I, I I would assume the Pac twelve would like UCLA to win this game, but I'm really just hoping it's a good one. And it feels like it's going to be. Oson, never been. Heard great things. so that's a that's a tough environment there for for Chip Kelly in the Bruins. All right, last game. Number seventeen, Kansas State travels to Fort Worth to take on number eight TCU. This game will be at 7 p.m. on FS1 somehow, and TCU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And, Ted, I, I'm i interested to get your thought on this. I think this is a tough spot for TCU, right? You're coming off back-to-back grinds, right? Tough game in Lawrence, right? Emotional game. That was a wild environment, right? Remember, game day was there, the whole thing you're able to get that win then you have the double overtime game against Oklahoma State I mean you had to fight and claw your way back down 14 in the fourth quarter and then win it in overtime and all of a sudden a recharged Kansas State is coming to town coming off a bye Mm -hmm. this is this is not an ideal situation for the Horned Frogs
1: it's really not and here's the thing with me we know exactly what Kansas state is going to try and do in this football game. They've tried to do it to Oklahoma for a decade. They're going to slow it down. They're going to grind it out. They're going to be uh, super smart and conservative with the football. They're going to have a physical nasty run game, tough run game, stress your defense, keep your offense on the sideline out of rhythm. And they're, you know, they're going to play good, solid defense. They're going to make you earn absolutely everything that you do. And then at the end of the day, you're going to look back and they're going to uh, have won the special teams battle as well. And all that stuff travels really well on the road, right? They're not going to make Adrian Martinez have to do anything incredible. And, you know, Max Duggan, I think, has been excellent. But this is the type of game where you're used to going up and down the football field and you're not out there a lot. Time of possession is just ticking away in Kansas State's favor and you feel like you got to go out there and make something happen and press and you make a mistake. Uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons to, to think Kansas State has a chance to go in there and win this football game.
0: Yeah, and so I talked to Adrian Martinez earlier this week. I kind of asked him what was, what was something he thought the offense as a whole for Kansas state could improve upon moving forward this season. And he mentioned it like the first thing with no hesitation is he like, be more aggressive. So I'm kind of interested, interested to see what that may look like.
1: That means just run it a little bit harder, you know, yeah, just like, <laughs> that's kind of what I was like more aggressive.
0: You mean just run it more or no, like, but, be more uh, I mean, aggressive
1: got, when you're running the football with it in your hands. That's yeah. It. Uh, but <laughs> it, it is,
0: I'm really excited to watch Kansas State's defense go against that high-powered offense from TCU, right? I I think Kansas State, you know, Iowa State's playing really, really good defense. I can't. I think Kansas State's right up there in the discussion for the best defense uh, in the conference. And I, I know Quentin Johnston has been the story lately for TCU. He's been fantastic these last couple games. But I really think when you go back and you look at the second half of that win against Oklahoma state, the biggest difference was they could run the football with Kendra Miller. They got the run game going and everything kind of built off of that. So that run game for TCU, I think it's essential in this one. And especially like if Kansas state wants to shorten the game, so be it. You can't get too caught up in that. Like Garrett Riley, he can't get away from the run thinking like getting too nervous. Hey, we got to go score. We got to go score because when you're playing Kansas state, like that's what you're thinking on the sideline. You're like, we got to get out there. We got to make a play. We're only going to have the ball nine times. Like it, it does mess with you a little bit, but I, I think this is going to be a fun football game. I, right? I think this is going to come down to the last couple of possessions in the fourth quarter. And I will not be surprised at all when Kansas state wins on Saturday. It just feels it. Maybe it's just setting up too perfectly for them, but I don't know. It just feels like a Kansas state game where, yep, they're going to go, they're going to push TCU's defense around and they're going to, the game is going to be, it's not even going to last three hours and they're going to win. That's like, that's how it feels to me.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those games where you're, you're TCU and you walk out of it. It's like, what, what, what the hell just happened? Like, is it the second half coming up? Or no, that it's over, buddy. Yeah, I this does feel like a really good spot for Kansas State. TCU also, man, like, hey, top 10. Been a while since they've been ranked that high. Does some of that start to start, start to factor in a little bit? Now, I I've seen nothing like that. I feel like this is a, a laser-focused football team. And here's the thing though. Quentin Johnston. Savion Williams, uh, you're never out of it. Whenever you've got those guys to throw to, uh, you are never out of it. And last week kind of proved exactly that. You just start throwing the ball up to number one, and let's see what happens. So incredibly tight. I'm gonna lean TCU to win. I'm with to you.
0: Win. I I think the game being there in Fort Worth, like that's a big advantage as well. Like being at home's a big advantage. I. I would never bet on this football game like ever, but TCU has got it rolling, man. I just, I just think it's a really tough spot. Kansas state coming off
1: the huh. part of me feels like i w I'm leaning towards TCU winning a tight one, but I feel like the other scenario is not Kansas state winning a tight one. It's Kansas state winning fairly comfortably like
0: Kansas state by 17.
1: Yeah. Something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like once you get, tcu behind and predictable and where they're pressing you know i don't know but that's what you love is games where you're not sure exactly what's going to happen and we saw the atmosphere at at tcu fort worth it was fantastic for that ou game night game down there it's going to be bumping it's going to be a lot of fun
0: yeah that's going to be a fun watch all right let's
1: finish up with our winners and losers of the
0: week but first
1: It's football time in Oklahoma, people, and there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer, and they're not just for tailgating either. They're perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first, well, Clubby's variety pack is out. And they've got some new flavors. They've also got a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbieseltzers.com.
0: And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, in the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be, too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week?
1: This one's kind kind of generic, but here's the thing. I'm going with just college football fans because we're coming off of what I thought was maybe the best weekend of college football I've seen in a long time, all the way across the country. You had it all the way on the East in the SEC, all the way in the West in the Pac-12. And then we're coming into this week where there's some more just fantastic matchups that have a lot to do with the outcome. They're not just good, good games. They have something to do with like the overall outcome of who's going to win the national championship. And I think there's more fan bases engaged right now than maybe we've had in a long time. Tennessee's number three in the country, legitimate shot to win a national championship. Okay. TCU um, number eight in the country. If they could beat Kansas state, they could run the, the, the table in the big 12 legitimate shot to get into college football playoff you got Ole Miss Ole Miss it's about to get really tough on them they've got a really tough back half of the schedule but to be ranked in the top 10 I think is uh incredible and UCLA at number nine with that fan base engaged like I don't remember a time whenever I've I've looked at the a lot of this kind of has to do with the way that You know, Georgia started the year off great. Now they kind of look beatable. Alabama definitely looks beatable. We saw them lose to Tennessee. Like, I, I don't feel the separation is there with the top teams. I feel like at this point, you know, just a little past the midway point in the season, I think there's more teams that I feel have a legitimate chance at a national championship than we've had maybe since like year one or two of the college football playoff.
0: I'm with you. I I completely agree. And, you know, while Ohio State has just been killing everyone, they haven't had to play anyone that's very good, right? But when you look at the the rankings and what it looks like right now, it feels like a year where a 12-team college football playoff would be awesome.
1: Oh, I know. Like,
0: where you – where if only that was in place already, like, that – This is the type of year where you go, yes, we need the expanded playoff. How much fun would that be?
1: I know. I think it's great. And ultimately, this is what you want, right? You want to be halfway through the season. And we all haven't thrown up our hands and said, well, it's Alabama and Ohio State in the national championship. Like, just matter who's better on that day. And everyone else is kind of checked out. I don't think that's the case at all this year. I think there's. There's even, like, I, I, I listed off some teams that haven't lost yet. There's some one-loss teams that are fighting and scrapping right there, too. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit more tougher for those, those teams, obviously. But, man, I feel like uh, this is exactly what you want. Like, if you are, you know, if you're ESPN or you're the College Football Playoff Committee, like, this is what you hope for where you've got a bigger batch of teams that you feel like have a chance now it's going to sift its way out, right? Oregon, UCLA play this weekend. Like those things are going to happen and the pool is naturally going to get smaller, but that's what makes those games bigger is whenever you have more teams that are there playing elimination games in the back half of the season. It's just, the season has, has unfolded perfectly for college football. So far, I just, I just wish we were involved in it. You know,
0: I, I know that's, that's the depressing part is like, man, why, why, it, this season's super fun and our squad is not I'm not gonna say it's not relevant because OU football is always relevant people, but Oklahoma not currently relevant to the college football conversation or really even the big twelve championship conversation. It's just really weird. I don't know how to like I don't know how to act when OU football's in the spotlight. I, it, I don't know what do we do?
1: <laughs> How do I carry myself the rest of the year? I know it. I guess you put on your fan hat, right? It's just about all you can do.
0: Clemson also like they look pretty good. Look and we didn't good. talk about Clemson. I mean, they got Syracuse this weekend, but that defense can really come together. Seems like DJ Uyangalele has found some confidence. Like they they look like they could run the table out there in the ACC. So
1: I, I expect them to. The back half of their schedule is is not all that difficult. They've kind right. of made it through the uh, the more difficult part. It feels like somehow stayed alive. Yeah. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with Bama. The kit, The hits keep coming. You lose to Tennessee uh, in dramatic fashion. Really, handed Tennessee the game. Down the stretch, uh, you had it right there. It was there for the taking. Um, you know, well, just don't make Tennessee kind of
0: handed them the game.
1: And, yes, with and the, then uh, they free... handed it back. You get what I, You see what I did there? No doubt. Uh- no doubt. Um, they've played some some odd football. Obviously, they missed their quarterback for a couple of games. There's been a couple of games where they've been heavily penalized. They don't look like the same disciplined, uh, laser focused team that we're used to. And now, on top of it all, Saban's having to answer questions. Host game Tennessee, one of their players, wide receiver Burt, number three, walking off the field. There's video of him striking.
0: That's the word being used, is striking.
1: a, A female Vols fan. And now Saban's having to ask questions about that. It's just another distraction. There's video out there. It's hard to say necessarily what exactly happens. The video's not great, and maybe some some more video of it will surface later, but um, it's just more right now on the plate of Alabama. It feels like feels like this is the first season with like a little bit of chaos that they've had in a while,
0: yeah, and it is the the Burton situation and people that listen to this podcast have have heard me talk about when fans come on the field, right? It's it's like international waters. You are not protected. You are not protected. And I have always said, if a player feels threatened, he has every right to defend himself. Don't hit a woman, dude. What are you doing? What the hell are you doing? That lady walked in front of you. Big, big deal, man. Right. Grow up. Don't you, you can't be doing that stuff now. If some frat dude comes and gets in your face and is flipping you off and all of his buddies around, yeah, hit his ass. I don't care. <laughs> who cares? <laughs>
1: right.
0: Yeah, You, you yeah. don't know who my dad is. But shut up. I am – I'm disappointed that Jermaine Burton did that. He didn't right. need to do it. And he's probably – today he's going, why the hell did I do that? What was I thinking? I mean, it's not – I know the word they're using is striking, like,
1: it, I don't even know what he did, but it's, it's like, it looks like he kind of, he kind of,
0: I don't know, a hard tap to the back of the head. Cause the the girl responds to it in the video. You can see it.
1: Like, she like it's not good. It's
0: like, yeah. she's like, what, what was that? Which we all, when we saw the video, what's he doing? Why'd you do that? But um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to him. I don't know what type of investigation is going on, but. Just really stupid. Why do you do that?
1: Yeah, well, I don't know why he did it. Um I I, I can't answer that for him. It's he probably dumb. can't
0: answer it either. He's probably, like, I don't know why I did that.
1: It's dumb and it's just it's it's another distraction. It's another thing Nick Saban's out there talking about. It just kind of piles on to what has felt like an odd season for Alabama. They have yet to look like the team we thought they were going to be this year and it looks like it's just going to continue to be um, that type of year. We'll see what happens to them. They don't get it together soon. Who knows what's going to happen in the sec.
0: That all being said, I would not want to be a Mississippi state fan this
1: week. I know. Yeah. Well, or maybe, Hey, or maybe this is your chance. Yeah, maybe, maybe. chance they've been messing around with everyone teams that they should, should blow out. Now their quarterback being out has been a factor in that, but, but still it just, it has not clicked the way Will Anderson is, you know, it gets tough whenever people block him the way that they have been, but, you know, defensively thought they were going to be way better than they've been so far.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get to my winner and loser,
1: but first first fidelity bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a
0: whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you've got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's pot still bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's single malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with the Philadelphia Phillies, Ted. Ooh. We're in baseball mode, baby. We are in baseball mode, and although they blew a big lead in game two to the Padres, I just I cannot forget the Kyle Schwarber home run. I mean, listen, you go on the road, you get the split, right? Job well done for the Phillies. And that home run almost hit the damn
1: moon. My God. Crazy. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, big bomb from him. Well, Bryce Harper hit one. And then they their pitching staff was fantastic against that really, really tough Padres lineup.
0: Yeah, so four hundred and eighty eight feet and Bryce Harper's face like when, when you got a guy who's good at baseball like Bryce Harper is reacting to you hitting the ball that far that's that's when you know you hit the dude hit it a mile it was unbelievable
1: it was incredible um I didn't see it live uh we were at baseball practice for my son and we got home later and they were playing some of the highlights there there was like maybe the sixth or seventh inning and uh they showed uh, Schwarber's home run, and I paused it, run it back. I was like, you see, this is how you hit a baseball, son. Look at him snap those hips. That was, that was impressive. He crushed that thing. Yeah, my gosh.
0: I also thought about going with Oklahoma City Thunder fans. The NBA's back, baby.
1: Yeah. We are back,
0: and we're actually recording this before the game. So I am I'm getting mentally prepared for the season. I'm telling you right now, I think they're going to be better than people think. I know everyone is fascinated by the thought of having a chance of getting Wimbayama. I get it. He's an alien. He's incredible. But I think the Thunder might be too good. They might end up winning too many games for that to happen. SGA, Giddy, Dort, all good. Excited to see what we get from Trey Man this season. Usman Jang. Like I I am intrigued. I'm very intrigued. So uh, There's even Poku buzz, Ted. Come on now, man. Let's, are you in thunder mode? Let's do this thing.
1: Uh, I may be forced to be in thunder mode a little bit earlier than typical this year because of the nature of our football season. I'm just, I, I'm hope, I hope they're good enough to where, they have to shut down SGA with a phantom injury, you know, in, in early spring, just be like, no, we got to lose some games. He's, he's going to be out for an extended period. And we really don't know why.
0: I, I think that strategy is out the window now. Yeah, I think, I think we're in, let's see what this group can do mode and just live with it. You always got, you got the arsenal of picks to move up.
1: I'm right? down with that. I'm down with that. Let's, let's win some basketball games That's what it's about.
0: And let's always remember if you're going to lose a lot of games be entertaining. <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: And I think this team's going to be really entertaining. So I'm excited. But my winner of the week, and this is an just an absurd story. We, we don't talk much about wrestlers on here, right? It's not really our thing. No, we do talk about, hey, don't mess with wrestlers. Right. Befriend them, right? <laughs> Life right. strategy of both of ours. But my winner of the week, Northwest college wrestling in particular wrestler Kendall Cummings Cummings and his wrestling teammate, Brad Lowry were in the Shoshone national forest when Lowry was attacked by a grizzly bear. Mm. And it sounds like, The bear hit Lowry with the old two-point takedown and then pinned his ass. Like, got him. We're like, this thing's over.
1: Are you telling me we finally found a match for a collegiate wrestler and it happened to be a grizzly bear?
0: (laughs) Correct. But Cummings, guy didn't run, didn't panic. What does he do? He goes and starts kicking the bear and grabbing its fur and trying to get the bear off. And it works. He pisses the bear off. But then the bear focuses on him. And the description, and what I was watching with my wife, what was it? Today's show, Good Morning America, one of those. And the description he gave of this was terrifying. He was like, Yeah, well, then the bear just kind of pushed me with its head and pushed me up a tree and like pinned me against it. And I was just like, Oh my God. But bear attacked him a couple of times. Two of their other teammates, though, come help out. I guess one guy's, like, trying to distract the bear, making a bunch of noise. But, dude, the guy, he's sacrificed. Now, they're everyone's still alive, right? They end up getting off the mountain. But if you want to know how crazy wrestlers are, this dude was like, nope, I'm not running. I'm going to get this bear to attack me instead of my buddy.
1: It's crazy. Grizzly bears are... I, it's, it's just, it's something that you just can't even imagine. We're talking 1500 pound animal that will kill you, crush you and eat you on the spot. It's not, it's not like you've entered into like caveman days, whenever you've been attacked by a grizzly, it's, and typically there's not a whole lot you can do except for hope that they uh, get bored and move on to something else for whatever reason but thank god he had his teammates there that could have been uh it could have been really nasty and i'm sure it was really nasty anyways but what an incredible story he owes his teammates and that that one teammate specifically for his life
0: i you you talk about creating a bond i mean i don't do you think we can find any futures on how to bet on Northwest college to win? I don't know what, but win something like that's, a, that's a bond that leads to championships right there.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. It sounds to me like they may be out two or three of their wrestlers for the rest <laughs> of the season, honestly. Uh, but I yes. Remember that time we all got attacked by that grizzly bear in the Shoshone national forest. Hey, remember when that bear was going
0: to kill you and then I didn't let it kill you. And then it tried to kill me. Remember that? That was awesome. (laughs) Not just an awesome story. I know it's, I mean, I'm glad everyone's okay. And it sounds like the bear is okay. So, you know, we're like for all the people don't hurt the bear. It's his, it's his, you're, you're in his house. I get it. Bear's fine. And I, I did kind of a deep dive on this. They're like, well, There's a lot of bears there. We don't know which one it was. Is basically (laughs) was the explanation.
1: We'd have to kill all of them to get the one that did it. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, adventure clear of the Shoshone National Forest for a while.
0: Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) All right. For my loser of the week, thought about going with Dan Snyder. (laughs) Everything like owning an NFL team is supposed to be awesome. And somehow, some way, Dan Snyder has made it look like owning an NFL team is miserable. It, this is the best way to put it. It's never a good thing when you have to send a letter to the rest of the owners in the league saying you haven't hired private investigators to dig up
1: dirt on them. That's, that's never a good thing when you're an NFL owner, Ted. No, that, this has turned into more of like a, like a Netflix series than anything with the way that it's all transpired with the investigation, the, you know, testifying in front of Congress and it's just, it's just a, you know, what show. And I think all the other owners have had it and we'll see what happens with it, man. It sounds like he's not going to back down, but man, you get enough. You get enough of that group on the other side of you. It's only a matter of time.
0: Well, Jim Irsay is like, hey, you guys have already, you guys all know about all the crazy stuff I've done. So yeah, I'll be the one to say, hey, yeah, let's remove this guy. I loved that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think there's merit to remove him. And everyone's like, oh, does he not have dirt on Irsay? Oh, wait, it's all. <laughs> we
1: yeah, we already know Dirt it. on Irsay.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it is, it's interesting. But I, f- for my loser of the week, I got to go with Draymond Green. And it has nothing to do with him only having four points in that opening night game against the Lakers. And it was ring night for the Warriors. It's got to be an awesome experience. It was a celebration. And they smacked the Lakers in that game. And the Lakers, they aren't going to be very good. This just said. But this is why Draymond is my loser of the week. We We as a society have very short memories now. It's like something, we read it, oh my gosh, we react strongly, and we move on to the next thing. And we would pretty much moved on from him knocking Jordan Poole out. But then, like leading into the game on Tuesday night, TNT runs this like dramatic mini documentary. I don't even know how to describe it. With Draymond talking about him punching Jordan Poole, it was so weird. Why did he
1: do that? I don't know. Why did they do it? Why? I I don't know. Were they taking the side of? uh, I I I didn't see it. So what? How was? No, it was him basically just like.
0: So you know. When you're in the documentary, you got like the single shot camera, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, something emotional is about to go go down. You can see the lighting in their eyes. Like they're so close, you know, Mm -hmm. it was that shot, like the whole time. And it was him talking about how it it was, it was so weird. It's like, he was talking about the upside of the world, seeing him at one of his worst moments. I was like, what upside dude? Like, there's no upside to what you did. Like, especially, you're looking for a new contract. Explain the
1: upside to me. I, I wish I could come up with an upside and, of that. And like, then there if, was, the whole world seeing, like, how bad you are behind closed doors. Yeah, not, not a good thing.
0: And then there was a bunch of shots of him, like, in slow motion with his kids. It was bizarre, man. I did not understand it. I don't know what they were going for, but I can assure you of this. If it was to get me to feel bad for Draymond Green, They failed. They almost like the way it was shot and structured. It made it seem like they wanted you to feel like Draymond was the victim somehow. It was, dude. It was completely bizarre.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know why they would would do that to have some type of spin on it. Uh, I don't know. I bad advice from whoever his publicist is in this day and age. You just shut up and move on and wait for everyone else to go. squirrel and they're onto something else
0: yeah we would have been talking about the wrestlers getting attacked by the bear (laughs) right yes we would have focused way more on that and i don't that's the thing I i don't get he just like that it was on its way to going away and you know what let's run this big feature before we have this celebration as an organization everything about it was completely bizarre dude
1: fascinating
0: hmm He did wear a sweet, shiny green suit into the game, though. I was very jealous. There's no way I could pull it off. But it, I'll tell you this, it looked expensive.
1: (laughs) I mean, so expensive. I'm sure it was.
0: All right, let's enjoy a bye weekend, shall we, sir? Let's do it. Episode 259 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, five-star quarterback Jackson Arnold will join us for an interview. You can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the bye weekend, people. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. we always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.